You need it is so good to be back. I know. How long has it been? I don't know. Months. I don't know. A hundred books? It's been a hundred books. It's been a hundred books. Uh-huh. Between the two of us or just you? Um, we'll have to see. We'll have to take some counts. Uh, well, you know, we are not drinking drinking tonight. We're just having no, water. We're just drinking water. We're so, too tired uh, for that nonsense. So but let's, but it, we can make L'chaim on water. We I'm can. Fine. It we is can. the sustenance of life. 100%. I'm, I mean, what else is L'chaim for if not for? Vodka. Oh. <laughs> I could do that too. All right. I'm Jessica. And I'm Yonit. Welcome to the Kiddush Book Club. L'chaim. Water from a straw. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's hear first, Uni, in this long gap between us, what have you been reading? So I, I kind of started switching over at the end of last year, and I really kept my streak going of really reading books with a happily ever after. Oh, that's nice. So I read a couple adventure books, mostly middle grade. Um, so I'll have to pass you away because I know that you're into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, my streak of romance... I'm I'm hitting it hard. I've gotten some good romance in. Now, when you say hitting it hard. Oh, yeah. So you lent me a while ago a J.D. Robb, I think, romance novel. Um, what's her name? The author? Yeah. And um, she, J.D. Ward. Mm-hmm. You lent me one with like a vampire cult thing. It was weird. Yes. And I just, I couldn't. Okay. I couldn't. I love romance novels. Don't get me wrong. But this one was like. Misunderstood vampires is not your yeah, not your genre. I didn't find that they were misunderstood vampires. <laughs> I if right the plot of the book was um, it's called Dark Lover. Like oh literally. no yeah no that one's a very famous one. It's yeah. very popular. It hits all the lists. Yeah, I could not get past their really dumb names. Thank you. I'm like okay. I, I it was it was tenacious D. No, yeah, it wasn't even good names. Oh, it was like weird and. Yes. and yeah, no, 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 no. It was strange. No. It was like the author was like, what sounds cool? Yeah, no. It, and then spelled it weird. Yes. Yeah, and then no. spelled it Listen, weird. But I'm telling you, that book yeah. shows up on every um, loathe to love list because they hate each other at the beginning. And yeah. I'm like, well, let me list all the ways. Well, I mean, the concept of it is a little, it's a little... She is like part vampire and doesn't know it. Yes. So now she's about to become full vampire, and her her biological vampire father leaves behind like a note, like make sure she gets through this or something to yeah. an unwilling lover. Right. And he's like, ah, oh, again, I don't want to help someone get through it again. What a pain in the butt. And I'm like, what is? What am I reading? What am I reading? This is weird. It didn't. He felt so and he's reluctant. Mostly blind. I don't know. Or something. I couldn't finish it. It was very damaged. Do you know how rare it is that I DNF a book? Yeah. DNF meaning do not finish? Yeah. And I like romance novels. Yeah. This was, this was, I even like, like the dirty romance novels. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, I, I'm in the middle of, um, oh, sorry, not middle of, finished. Okay. Um, Matzo Ball Surprise. Did you love it? I did. Okay. Good. I I hadn't gotten to it yet and I felt bad about it because we did get a copy. Yes. But I struggle with reading arcs on screens. Yes. So I got myself a paperback because uh, I like Laura and I want to support Laura Brown. Yes, Laura Brown. It was so cute. I really enjoyed it. Yes. That yeah. was a good one. What did you like about it? Um, so I really like... So, okay, listen. First of all, I do love a good fake dating trope. Like, okay. I mean, 
Right. Let's pretend that we don't, we're not having feelings for each other because we're just pretending to have feelings for each other. Oh, I love it. Right. So she, she's a Jewish girl who's about to go home for the Seder and she doesn't want her family bothering her about still being single. So yeah, she, she just got out no. of a long-term relationship, I think, and she yes. was like ashamed and so. Yeah, there was like a whole thing about it. Yeah. She didn't want, she wanted people to think she was fine. Mm-hmm. And in her family, fine means having someone you're dating. And there's a hot guy at the gym. Yeah. So she approaches so why the hot not? Guy. Who doesn't want to bring some rando from the gym home for, for Pesach? Right? And, then, and not thinking about the fact that when they get there, she's going to have to share a room with the rando. It was so good. Like, why would There's she? only one bed? Come on. Only got one bed. And so she approaches him. Mm-hmm. And the twist is that mm-hmm. he is hard of hearing. Yes. I loved it. Yes. It's so good. And like, he's fully deaf. Like, yeah. he does. It's not like he uses hearing aids. He relies on ASL. And she's like, don't you read lips? And he, like, is, like, actually, and I learned a lot from this yeah. book. He's, like, actually most um, people who are deaf only can understand around 20% of lip reading and only if there's context. Right. I didn't know that. Yeah. Did you know that? Well, so then then it becomes how do we pretend we're dating when obviously I do not right. speak the same language as you. <laughs> how do we pretend but, we're dating? But you're right. so hot that maybe people won't notice. By the way, that's totally what happened is they were like, <laughs> They were like, oh, how do you guys communicate in the bedroom? And she's like, wink, 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 yes. Meanwhile, they hadn't touched yet, but they were both kind of. <laughs> and you get to see his point of view, too. Yes, so and, good. Oh, when they're driving to her family's house and neither of them know how to communicate with each other because he's driving. Right. How are, Wait. They've how, been texting before. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I was thought so that was good. clever. I thought that was a clever trope. Yeah, I liked it. I yes. liked it a lot. I thought it was really good. I also learned a lot. I actually. I follow Laura now, and I see her signs of the day. And then I try today, <laughs> I yeah, today I left. My phone was up, and she was just signing at me the whole day because I just didn't scroll away. And I was oh. like, "This is fine. <laughs> this is fine." I've learned a couple of words, um, but it's hard to retain, right? You have yes, to practice use every day. it or lose it, hundred percent. I definitely use it or lose it. I never thought before about how isolating it would be mm. to be deaf at a table where everyone is singing and talking and having fun and they're doing Passover. And they're all strangers. And they're all strangers. Right. And so you've awkward. got your own secret. So the only device in there that was kind of funny was like the, if they just communicate with each other, things would improve device. Right? right. Like that's that's a cheesy one, but it contributes to the A hundred percent. We need it. And in this case, there's actually some communication block, whereas in other ones, they yeah. just refuse to speak to each other for no reason whatsoever. Like, right. So I read an entire series over um, uh, New Year's trying to push to my uh, Goodreads challenge from last year. So I read an entire, it's a trilogy called, it starts with Passion on Park Avenue, Ooh. Love on Lexington Avenue, Ooh-hoo. and then the last one is like the Marriage on Madison Yay! Avenue. Yay! Alliteration all the way through. So it's three friends. So, oh my God. So here's, they meet because (laughs) a man dies, okay? And he dies in a pretty (coughs) shameful way. Like he falls off a yacht and drowns while he's like out with some floozy. The problem becomes is that all these three women show up at his funeral and they discover that he has a wife. What? He has a long-term girlfriend. And he has a new girlfriend. And none of them knew about each other. And he's dead. And now he's dead. And so they meet each other, these three women who are connected with the same, being, you know, sprung around by the same guy. Um, and they make a pact to protect each other from dirtbags. You know, these cheaters never consider what happens at the funeral. Right? <laughs> but the best part is, like, literally these three women didn't know. It's not like, oh, I was the other woman and I understood. Like, none of, all three were shocked. Yeah. And horrified to find out that the person that they had been seeing, I mean... 
married to dating for a year and then dating for a few weeks. So obviously it was a different levels. Total scumbag. Does each book go through each of their relationships? Each one goes through each of their new relationships once they move on past Aww. this so it, it's they formed a friendship that's nice they get margaritas together they you know they're three very different women from very different backgrounds very different places in their life you know different careers and everything and so each one is them meeting someone so they all have the communication trope problem oh because you know so one of them if somebody trust... would just tell someone else the truth about something 100 percent. so one of them one of them doesn't trust men at all and has to you know whatever and then um she brought herself up from nothing and now she's got a chip on her shoulder against the rich boy who used to pick on her when she was little well, I would and too. then the <laughs> the the widow who was married she doesn't think that she could ever be married again because you know no trust um, and then there's someone who lies to her and, you know, you can't be with a liar. Yeah. And then the third one is a fake engagement. Oh. They have to fake an engagement. For, I can't remember the setup. The setup was kind of not, it was just like to prank his mom at, at some point, but then like they went through with it. Oh, and then, oh, that's right. Because she's an Instagram influencer and it made her like popularity go through the roof. What? And then, <clears throat> and then that's cute. I like that. And then a, yeah. uh. <clears throat> A rival blogger starts talking about how it couldn't be real because she is damaged goods and no one would want her. And so then they keep up the charade oh. um, just to spite him. And then it obviously, like, we're pretending to be engaged. So, like, what else could happen? Like the Bridgerton thing. 100%. Let's pretend to be courting so that people will stop bothering a little, us. But it doesn't end with the shaggy in the hallway and on the mausoleum stairs and in the lawn and in the drawing room. And... I think you said shagging. Oh, shag. Both. Both. Shaggy could have had her on the yep. counter, that one. Yep. Okay. Yep. It wasn't me. Right. So I thought, I wasn't sure. So which one did you say? Shaggy or shaggy? Shaggy. No. Oh, okay. So nope. you, you were yeah, going 100%. for the insider, yep. the insider reference. 100%. Which is back with the new commercial with Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher. So much. Where she's eating Cheetos and there's orange on her fingers and she's literally holding the bag. And he goes... He's asked her, and she goes, "It wasn't me." <laughs> and he, so every time he talks to her, she's holding the bag in the shower. He's like, "She stole my Cheetos in the shower," and she's like, "It wasn't me." <laughs> like it's really cute. It's it's I, I like that. And anyway. then there was obviously Shaggy as Sebastian. That was a that oh was an experience. Yeah, that was a an experience. <laughs> was... I think John Stamos was the only one who broke character. At least Shaggy <laughs> didn't break character. Right. Um, sure. Okay. Right. So you, I am about to read. <gasps> But I'm holding it. Did you see I got an autographed copy? Rude. So wait, here's what happened. <laughs> I went to Third Place Books, our local neighborhood bookstore. Meanwhile, our audience doesn't know what you're holding. Right. It is a book called The X Talk by Rachel Lynn Solomon. And I went down there and said, can you um, send, I saw that on Twitter, she posted yeah. a picture of herself signing her books. And they said, oh, that was at the other Third Place Books. And I said, well, can you bring some over to this location? And they said, sure, we'll bring it up and we'll call you when it's ready. So my birthday was coming up. So when they called me when it was ready, I told my husband, I'm like, listen, my daughter, our daughter's 10. She wants to get me a present. Take her down to the bookstore and ask for the book waiting with my name waiting behind the counter <laughs> and then have her buy it. So they come home. They give me this autographed copy. And my I go, wow, what a special present. And my daughter goes, Mom, you picked it out yourself and literally had them hold it for you. <laughs> that is the best way to get it what you want. And I'm like, well, yeah, why would I want you to buy me a random thing? <laughs> like, I clearly wanted, okay, but I haven't read it yet. So you oh. need to tell us oh. about it without spoiling it for me. Oh, the X talk. Okay, so. Challenge. So, um, you we, we both read uh, Today, Tonight, Tomorrow. Yes. Okay. 
So it has some of the same slow burn banter. Nice. So what happens is our main characters are both, they both work at a um, Dominique public radio. And Shea. They work at a public radio station. Yeah. So Shay has worked her way up. She's a producer. And Dominic comes in and he's already kind of a favorite. Um, and he is one of the, uh, he, he, he breaks a news story and becomes a host. And there's a bit of a rivalry. Um, he is obnoxious and mm. annoying and everything he does is annoying. And uh, they, Shane's a pitching, a pitching a story and he supports her idea. Um, but then they get kind of trapped into doing it together to make a love radio show about exes talking about love. See, that's clever. So they have to pretend to be exes, which is, it takes the fake relationship. It's like, it's a fake, fake ex exes. relationship. Yeah. They have to maintain this like fake thing that they used to date. So that yes. means they have to come up with backstory. Everything. And, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Meanwhile, it's set against talk radio. Yes. Which is it's super so fun. so good. I mean, talk radio is a big deal in Seattle. Yes. Um, but they're sitting there, these two, and it's they hot. have chemistry and banter, mm. and mm. there's hotness in mm. it. Mm. But this mm -hmm. is an adult book. It is. So she, that last chapter of Today, Tonight, Tomorrow, where she like touched a little bit on what teen hotness could look like. Yes. She's like, this is adult real hotness. Yes. Oh. It's still sweet. It's still, it's, you know. She's good at the sweet thing. Yes. Yes. Rachel's very good at the sweet thing. We've had her on the show before. Yeah. And you can hear in her voice how sweet she is. I mean, she's Shay. I mean, we, again? <laughs> sorry. I mean, listen, you are. She wrote Rachel. herself again? You are. It's you. <laughs> I'm reading it. I'm like, I've met her. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Because remember, it's today, tonight, tomorrow, I was like, okay, Rachel, did you just write yourself yes. and change your hair color? And she's like, a little. I'm like, okay, so is it the same thing? Is she yes. redheaded this I, one? I feel like it. I, I don't even remember, but like, <laughs> The mannerisms and the way she talks, I'm like, no, that's that's what Rachel sounds like. I mean, that's her vibe. Yeah, 100%. It's her vibe. It's 100%. her vibe. You know, she, it's not like every book is like that, right? And right. you'll miss no. me when I'm gone. Yeah. Uh, about the twins who each get a different genetic diagnosis. Oh, so it's about um, twins who get each get it by Rachel and Solomon, and they each get a different diagnosis for a genetic disorder that their mother, Israeli mother, mm -hmm. has. And um, the sister is both one of them wanted to know and the other one didn't want to know so but the one who wanted to know kind of won out and so now the one who didn't want to know has to suffer with the consequences of something she didn't want to know in the first place yeah. and it changes how each twin is perceiving what their future looks like right because this is a genetic a disease that could affect your life before the age of 40 yeah. and so they're sitting there going is it even worth it like what, what am i investing myself in but they're they're high school seniors yeah and again in seattle yeah but yeah, neither yeah. of them felt like the, the author they felt yeah. they felt like their own individual people and they were wonderful characters to read that's so great yeah she's really good yeah she's amazing she's so really talented she has another one coming out at some point oh yeah she's got so many books coming I know. out i so i actually um offered that book as a comp to someone who was sending me a message mm. saying help me write my query for my book and her book this woman um her name is alana and her book that she's written is also about a girl who finds out about a genetic diagnosis mm. that her mother died from. And mm. she finds out that she has it when she's in her senior year at a Jewish high school. Because a lot of Jewish high schools do genetic yeah, testing. They do. So that you can go out into the dating world when you're an adult without having to think about it. Because at least you know what you have. So you know who's a bad match genetically. Because yeah. so many Jews carry right the same diseases. Right, and if you right. marry someone with a similar disease, it's, it's bad. So this girl gets this genetic testing, discovers that she has this very rare gene that her mother died from, 
and the family wants to keep it a secret because her older sister's already out in the dating world mm. and Classic. didn't yeah and doesn't want to get the test never got the test oh. so the older sister doesn't know whether or not she also has it cuz wow. she skipped the test so there's this this 17 year old girl who wants to seek treatment she wants to learn more about it but yeah. she's worried that she'll expose her older sister in the dating mm. world and, and then starts to make her doubt like the dating world that it yeah. that it cares so much about whether or not someone has a genetic disease and like what that means it sounds really good yeah. and like i'm like can i just i read it but like print it can you just mail me a copy because that sounds like so i said you'll miss yeah. me when i'm gone is a really good comp for that yes so i love rachel we're big fans big fans big, big time <laughs> big they got her books time. were good right right <laughs> it's true oh you know i did have a super disappointment and i i almost hate to share it but like no, it's okay. i was looking forward to reading uh, a taste of sage by yafa as santos mm-hmm. um and i i bought it for myself and i read it and you know it just there were parts of it that were just so good and there were things i liked but overall i just the story was just kind of eh. Aww. like i didn't really like the um, love interest. She was great, but the guy was just kind of like it, it didn't. It didn't sell for me that why he was worth all this everything and like she. You know the there were times when the main character who I can even remember the name, but um, she's super sassy and she's great and she's very talented and she's a phenomenal cook. But whenever she's in the kitchen, she's she's a subordinate to this chef. It, it she's so muted mm-hmm. that I was like, well. I, you lost her, Oh. you know, like she's not even herself. And so I didn't, I, I didn't like the her that she was for him. And so I kind of was like, Ugh. you got lost because it wasn't a good match for you. Yeah. It the, just, meaning the couple you know, wasn't a good match. Exactly. Not just for exactly. you, for each other. Exactly. So it wasn't that the writing wasn't good. The writing was good and there was some great setting and I really enjoyed the mix of cultures. Yeah. Um, but I just thought like, oh, you know, <laughs> this woman, this woman deserves better. <laughs> She deserves better. Yeah. How many times have you read a book and thought, can they, she just end up with nobody? Right. 100%. Yeah. I'm and not this is one of those you. occasions. Yeah. And meanwhile, yeah. it's yeah. meant to yeah. be a romance? It's a romance. Yeah. Okay. And it has a happily ever after. I just wasn't like really into it. I, I finished it though. There was another book I read um, that I just did. I just DNF'd it. I just couldn't get into it. The main, you know what? It was one of those communication things where yeah. the husband felt like he was doing everything for his wife. He was working many hours, basically so he would come home and just fall asleep. Like he was working extra hours and picking up extra jobs to save money because they wanted to buy a house and she wanted to open a restaurant. And she was working hours at a department store, but she felt like he never talks to me. We never, you know, do anything, you know, like he's basically, he comes home, he drinks a beer and falls asleep from somewhere on the sofa every day. Uh-huh. And so they just never have a conversation about it. <clears throat> yeah. But I just, I wasn't um, sympathetic to him. I'm trying to find the name. I just wasn't sympathetic at all. Right. Like not even a little bit. I just felt like I understand that you think you're, you are doing your love language to her, but mm-hmm. you're not doing her love language to her. So. Well, so what book was, um, did you read Fleischman is in Trouble? No, not yet. Okay. So Fleischman is in Trouble was a debut from a, a columnist. Okay. And this book was a huge bestseller. So I, sometimes when I see a really huge bestseller that's also rated as like literary fiction, I get a little weirded out because all books are literary. That literally mm-hmm. is what the word means. <laughs> literary, <laughs> right? So when they say literary fiction, mm. you know that they're calling it that because they want to warn you that 
this meanders or it gets weird. <laughs> it's code <laughs> There's for no trope. takes There's, itself too seriously. Right. There might not be a plot arc, that, a narrative that runs all the way through it. But they called this literary because it was unique. It was okay. good. It yeah. was good and scary good. It was the kind of book. So basically Fleischman's wife has disappeared. Right? Fleischman's in trouble. But they don't okay. say which Fleischman. We just know that one of the Fleischman's is in trouble. Fleischman's wife has disappeared. So you're seeing the book from his perspective of he's got this, you know, these kids and he's trying to figure out what to do with them because their mom hasn't come back. And he knows that she's not dead or kidnapped. He knows she went to a spa or claims to have and just hasn't come back. And he can't locate her or figure out what happened. So we're at, as he's trying to figure out what happened to his ex-wife, because they are divorced, but he's supposed to bring the kids back to her apartment. And she's not there. And he's starting to freak out because, like, what if something really did happen to her? But everyone says she's fine. Her secretary says she's fine. So he's like, so she just abandoned the kids. So he's trying to kind of figure all this out. And as you go through the book, you start to learn what actually happened in their marriage over time. Because from his perspective, he sees it having gone one way. And you're totally sympathetic to him, to the Mr. Fleischman. You're like, oh, Fleischman, poor Fleischman, his selfish wife. She worked herself to the bone because she was obsessed with herself. Because all she wanted was her career. She didn't care about her husband. She didn't care about her kids. Right. Then eventually you start to see things from what happened with her. And she is like, he was fine with not advancing at work. And he wanted to fit in on the Upper East Side. And he wanted to hang out with certain people. So I accepted another promotion. And then I had to accept another promotion because he wanted the kids to go to the expensive summer camps instead of growing up like he did, Jewish in Long Island. Like he wanted the kids to go and be Manhattan kids. So I had to get work harder and work harder and work harder. And every time I tried to say, hey, maybe you could work a little harder so I can be home more, he'd be like, no, you're doing great. I love that you want oh, a career. Man. I'm so supportive of you. So like he's saying to her, no, keep working. And she's saying to him, I'm not doing this because I want to, right? Yeah. At some point, I do want life balance. I'm not one of those people. But yeah. He sees her and he feels guilty. He's been told his whole life, you can't tell a woman she has to hold back on her career. Mm. So now he won't say to her, well, back in your career. He feels like he has to say to her, I support you, keep going. And she's like, just tell me to stop. Like, yeah. I need permission to, to stop trying to make this money so we can live the life you want to live. So we're watching it dissolve yeah. from opposite directions. Wow. And it's so brilliantly done that at the end you're like, which Fleischman do I like? Right? right. Which Fleischman do I support? And that's it's the way it makes you think and stop reading and go, you have to start like debating in your head like you're in a court case. It's yeah. great. It's great. I was really excited about it. I'm glad she's doing more work. Um, but I'm officially angry that they use the word literary just because it's structured weird. Oh, interesting. It's really easy to read. Just because it's structured weird, they're like, it's literary fiction. I'm like, what is <laughs> Every book is literary fiction. Like It is. Yeah. It is. And there are other books that are... So there... I read a few time travel books that have interesting structures to them. Yeah. Because of the nature of time travel. Um, but you won't find generally a time travel book called literary yes. just because it takes that different way of construction. Right. They call them so. upmarket books. Yeah. Right? Like The Time Traveler's Wife was women's fiction slash upmarket. Ugh, gross. And I'm like, just because he travels a little bit, but it's so emotional and so dark. Can't you call it literary? So I have told you before that I really hate the trope of the unreliable narrator. Oh, that's what Fleischman is in trouble. Right. So I don't care for that. I just, I don't know. It's just my thing. But I read one and I loved it. 
and I hated it until I loved it. Yeah, that's what happens. So because you start to go, God, this is the way it ma- manipulated me. Oh man, that's good. So it's called "To Say Nothing of the Dog" by Connie Willis, <laughs> and great. it's a time travel book. And what happens is, is if you time travel too many times, you get time traveler sickness. And so our character. Oh, that's good. So What's it called again? Remind me of the name. Uh, to say nothing of the dog. To say nothing of the dog. Which is a literary quote because it's a poet. Because <laughs> what happens when you get time traveler sickness is it makes you like overly soppy. <laughs> and so like the main character starts asking other people in concern, like, what do you feel about that sunbeam? And like to kind of see like how sick they are. And if they're like, oh, if the warmth and the whatever, they start waxing poetic. He knows that they're sick. Yeah. And so, you know, that they need to stop time traveling. Anyway, so the whole, the basically it's the, cute, like the plot is that there's a woman in the future who's who's rebuilding a cathedral as a like a historical landmark yeah and is sending time travelers has completely taken over the time travel department Mm -hmm. and is using them to to do research and to like get the stuff ready for like the opening day and like it's basically like some woman's church fundraiser (laughs) gone nuts and she's literally sending people into time to time travel to do all this stuff and then things start to go wacky and wrong, and all these time travels are done. Like, they're done with this. They're like, hide me. I'm going to hide in the 17th century. Don't send me back. She's going to send me on another errand. It sounds it, fun. It is hilarious. And then it becomes, what is the mystery? Yeah. Who is sick and who is not sick? Who's normal? Are they making time the time break worse or better? Is there a time break? What happened? What's the point of it? Like what's you know like it, it, it you're you're unraveling a a mystery on a mystery on a mystery yeah and everything that they're doing you you have to figure out like is that the right thing to do is it the wrong thing to do like what's so you're happen? the the book forces you to participate in question as opposed to just giving you the information hundred percent that's to you that's an unreliable narrator well it, it <laughs> there's more than that but yes okay but he's definitely an unreliable do you have it or is it on your Kindle. Um, I, it was a library book. Oh, yeah, it was a library fine, book. Fine, I'll get on all this. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, but I, I enjoyed it because at first I was like, I can't read this because, like, I, I hate that. I hate that trope. Yeah. And then partway through, I was like, oh, I see what's happening. You know, there's a, the unreliable narrator. It's funny because people don't quite understand what it is. But it's basically the narrator of the book has convinced the reader that their message is the right one. Right, that their angle on what's happening is the right one. So I, I was watching a movie. So you know that SNL sketch in the other day about murder shows, right? They're like, "Oh, my husband's leaving the house. I'm so excited. I'm gonna have some self care time. I'm gonna watch a murder show." <laughs> <laughs> and they go. It's a whole song about watching murder shows and cult shows. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, it's the, she's like, "Oh, that that." There was another sketch like. Where someone's like, oh, there are pieces of her body are fall- found all over the place. And it's like, ooh, this is a good show. So I have been watching a lot of murder shows lately. Because <laughs> I've watched all the series I want to watch. And now I'm like, I guess I'll watch documentaries. And the Ted Bundy one mm. was awesome. I didn't know all those capes existed. Ted Bundy was a famous serial killer in Washington State. Yeah. And then he moved on to Colorado and Florida and a bunch of other places. And he kept escaping. He literally escaped from prison. He literally escaped from the courtroom where he was being um, held trial as his own lawyer because he refused help. And the court appointed him a lawyer anyway because the court deemed him mentally unfit. But from Ted Bundy's perspective, he was like, why are you forcing this lawyer on me? I'm fit. I'm a law, I, I'm a law student. 
I'm a lot, I know what I'm doing. So the, in the fictional version of it, there's a movie, the Ted Bundy movie with Zac Efron. I heard that that was complicated. It made people lust after Ted Bundy in a uncomfortable way. I, so, uh, I disagree. I just think those are people who think Zac Efron's hot. Zac Efron did a really, really good job of showing how charming Mm. a hot guy can be that, and you don't ask that many questions. You're like, oh, he's hot. I don't have to ask that many questions Mm. about his personality. So there was always beneath the hotness, a layer of like, this is a person who might, who's probably going to yeah. kill that girl. So he picked with. up a hot guy at the gym. Yeah, and drove cross country with and him and said, "Share a room with me." He could be Ted Bundy, or he could be a super hot. <laughs> he could be. He could be. So in the movie, though, well, we depending see on what genre the unreliable you're narrator perspective, mm. because it spends a lot of time seeing things from the way that Ted Bundy is, mm. and then slowly around halfway through the movie, we the camera starts letting us see the way that the people in his life see him. Ooh. And how they're starting to realize that he's, like, going nuts. Yeah. That he's actually not self-aware, that he's crazy, that all the evidence is there. And he's sitting there truly saying, this is crazy. What are you talking about? Like, he's deluded himself into thinking he really didn't do it. And he's so convinced that you as a viewer are like, he is so convinced. I mean, and the movie doesn't show you what the evidence is for a long time because the movie also wants you to get into his head of he's convinced he didn't do these things. And then eventually you start seeing it from the way other people look at him. The look on his lawyer's face when he looks at him is is pitiful. Like, oh, you're sad and this is sad and you need help, right? Like everyone's looking at him like just plead mentally ill, plead mentally ill. It's like, why would I? And they're all begging him to because they they know he is. So seeing the unreliable narrator trope done that mm-hmm. brilliantly and then watching it unravel. Yeah. I highly recommend. I know we talk about books here, but that's, it was genius. It was the way it was done was genius. Yeah. So I definitely recommend okay. watching the Ted Bundy movie on Netflix. Okay. So did you read this yet? Yeah. This is The Assignment no. by Liza Weimer. Ah, but you told me about this one, okay? So let's yes. so let's hear. So this is based on a true story. So Liza Weimer, I don't think she was planning on writing a novel. Um, maybe she was eventually in her life, but I don't think this was like, she was like, oh, I'm going to write this book. She came across a news story about two teenagers who got assigned the reenactment of the Wannsee Conference in 1942, in which the Germans met up in Wannsee, and the Nazis met up, and they said to each other, let's have a conversation about what we want the final solution to look like. Not should we have it. But what we want it to look like and how we want to implement it and do we want to deport or do we want to kill or do we want to just segregate or do we just want to like, what, like how do we want to get rid of yeah. these Jews? And the, the whole thing has been documented and written down. Somebody transcribed the Wannsee conference. So this professor, this teacher in high school assigned it and the two, there was like two students in the class that were very upset about it and they complained and they said, the minute you started assigning this, people in the class have started making anti-Semitic jokes. People in the class have started drawing swastikas on things. People in the class have started saying Heil Hitler in the hallway, right? Like they think they're being funny because they're teenagers and they're not equipped for an assignment where they have to memorize lines and reenact the 1C conference and then write a paper supporting their arguments saying, here's the reasons I think Jews should. Yikes. Right. So she wrote this book, which is a fictional account of the events that took place. And at the beginning, you're like, oh, this isn't so bad. It's just a teacher getting creative with an assignment. But then you start to see how you can't just throw something like this at right. students. You need more than, you can't just be like, oh, we're learning World War II history. Let's do this today. Right. It needs context. And so what Liza spends a lot of time doing on the internet is finding people who are 
in this exact situation. There's in San Francisco right now, a teacher just gave this exact assignment. Yeah. An exact, like literally this book's been out already yeah. and a teacher just gave this assignment and incidents started happening at school. Yeah. And when the Jewish, only Jewish girl in the class complained, he told her not to quote, take it personal. Whoa. Yikes. Don't take it personal. They're just being anti-Semitic because they're been doing the assignment. Wow. And the girl was like, okay, I uh, don't know what to do now. So she contacted the author, actually. Yeah. But yeah, this is, I mean, so it's a really good book. There's a lot of secrets and twists in it. So I'm not going to, I just wanted yeah, to give yeah, you the yeah, background yeah. of it. It's called The Assignment. And it's, again, the unreliable narrator thing is you start questioning a little bit. Like, yeah. are they complaining because they have a right to complain? Or are they just being like, you know, whiny? And then eventually right. you're like, whoa. Yikes. It's good they said something. So if you want to borrow, yeah, let me know. Okay. Although, like I said, I'm all light and fluffy all the time. Oh, so light and fluffy. Of Curses and Kisses by Sanjay Menon. Have you read it? No, but I mean, it's got the name already. (laughs) It's a Beauty and the Beast retelling. Oh, I love it. Set in a boarding school. Oh, great. How do you not love that? Sounds amazing. It's amazing. I'll tell you about this one, then you can tell me something else. I read a Beauty and the Beast retelling also, so I'll get it. Oh, we'll compare. So this is about a, a royal from India. Okay. Who, um, her family has a long rivalry with a British lord's family. Um, and this is, so it's Jaya and Grey. Grey is the okay. guy. And Grey is a family that is convinced that Jaya's family put a curse on a specific stone that the British family stole from Jaya's family when they first colonized India. Oh, wow. And so they got it back, but not before they had cursed it or something like that. And... Basically, this kid is convinced that the curse means that he's going to die when he's 18. So he's, like, not living to live. Wow. Right? She is convinced that he has done something because their families are enemies. She's convinced that he's done something to ruin her sister's reputation in the press. So she is trying to trick him into falling in love with her so that she can let him down hard. Ooh. Right? But he sits up in, like, his room the castle right he sits up in like his room staring at the stones as they fall out of the flowered shape pendant like in beauty and the beast and wondering if all 18 stones fall out do i die and she's sitting down there with her sister going i don't know why he's not in love with me yet oh my gosh i'm throwing out all my best tricks i'm hot <laughs> so it's really fun my my 13 year old niece lent it to me Sounds cute. Okay, so tell me about yours. Okay, so mine, so I decided that I loved Tessa Dare just from the oh. um, the dedication because she said, oh, the main character's father is a uh, preacher like my dad, but nothing else is like my dad. I love you. P.S. Don't read chapters 2, 18, 17, <laughs> 25, whatever. She lists a whole bunch. Of she listed like, all the chapters that were dirty. Yeah, and I was like, I like you. Oh, we would be great. friends. So the Duchess deal. Mm-hmm is um there is uh, a duke and he was betrothed betrothed sure and his um no pronounce it the original betr- way so he <laughs> um he has been uh grossly disfigured in war and his the opening scene is the dressmaker who was making his bride's gown has come demanding payment um, and he decides, well, I have to get married and, uh, you know, make an heir, so she'll do. And of course. it's this whole relationship, but he has, you know, 
shut himself away from society because of his disfigurement. Aww, and like the beast. He's become ugly and bitter and angry. Um, and, you know, and she is a dressmaker who's now been elevated to a duchess. And it it's, I, don't, I mean, I don't want to give away too much, but it's not explicitly a Beauty and the Beast retelling, but it's... It follows the same oh, arc. Mm-hmm. Do you like, speaking of duchesses, we haven't recorded since before Bridgerton. Oh my gosh. And you read the books, right? So I read the first two and a half. First of all, <laughs> who was smart enough to buy all the books before the show came out? This girl. Did you know there was going to be a show? Yes. So you bought them when they were still not like lower priced? Yes. First oh. of all, they were lower priced. Second of all, they were available because apparently they're sold out everywhere. Good for and that reprinted. author. She made, Julie Quinn, she made the bestsellers list. Okay, <gasps> those books are over 10 years old. See, and it's shot. The life cycle of a book. 100%. So you just never know. But I, know. I knew because <laughs> because I knew that her books are great. And I knew it was good. I mean, I didn't know. And then the Shonda Rhimes. Like, we've been kind of following the, the buzz for a while. That was a different so, level of Shonda. She Shonda Shonda. So let me tell you, though, I was making TikToks about Bridgerton, and no one was watching them. It was getting nothing. It was my, the hash, I was the, like, no one was using the hashtag when I was using the hashtag. <coughs> when was this? Before the show came yeah, out? Yeah, before the show. I was oh. like, hey, let's read it. Let's read Bridgerton before the show comes out. And, like, I was like, I did a live. Nobody, like, it was just not really getting any buzz. And then afterwards, there's literally a musical. There, like, it became well, nobody, everyone I knew was watching it. Nobody was, like, buzzing as the show was about to go on. Me! Right. But it was I only know. people who read it. I know. Because it wasn't as much of a bestseller. I know. So the once the show was on, then people went, oh, my God, everyone has to watch this. And you can't, and you cannot buy the books anywhere. They're apparently sold out everywhere. Wow. Well, I'm going to borrow but one. I, yeah, I have the whole set. I mean, I kind of like reading the book before I see the show, so maybe I'll just start from the next book. So I'll tell you that, you know, Shonda, whatever, she's great, she, whatever, but she, she did me dirty Mm -hmm. because the Daphne in the books is such a life, like life full of life. She's, she literally punches a man and that's not out of character. Oh. And the the Daphne we got, she was like a wet mop. Who so like, the Daphne we got, everyone was comparing the way she looked, remember, to yeah. a Wendy? Yeah. She Pan. did. She looked like Wendy and she was, so in the book, I mean, besides the fact she's supposed yeah. to have dark hair just like her brothers and whatever, but her personality, the whole point, the reason she sat out for a whole season and was not anyone's pick and why she had to make that fake relationship with the Duke was because people, she said, people look at me like one of the boys. Because she's rough and tumble. She's friends with her brother's friends. Meanwhile, no on the show, they made it that because someone else got more attention than her at one party, yes. that she lost her diamond status. Yeah. That it was like she was basically like a house that sat on the market for too long. Yeah. Even though it was only one party. Yep. Which was also believable. I mean, you know, so that part didn't bother me as much as the fact that, like, she was supposed to be super feisty. Yeah, but her, her sister was thing. the feisty one. Her yes. amazing sister. Who has her own book. Oh, Don't worry, that's it's happening. It's going to happen. I really thought she was um, on no. to something when she thought that the dressmaker no. was Lady Whistledown. I knew. I guessed it though at one point. Well, like, so in the books, they don't reveal it for quite some time. So I technically hadn't gotten to that part yet. So we the, should not spoil the it on show, the show. The show spoiled it for me, okay. which made me a little upset. Oh, no! Because the books hadn't revealed it yet. Wait, so you're saying that, that the show reveals Lady Whistledown, its final episode of the first season. Yes. Which I was actually surprised by. I thought it was going to go the Gossip Girl route and wait it a few seasons. It should have, because that's what it does in the book. In the book, it doesn't tell you for at least four books. But, so I didn't know yet. I guessed. But they clearly made that decision. They did. So that they could do next season. 
Well, so next season doesn't have anything to do with it either. Well, then why so did next they do season that? is supposed to be Anthony because the whole thing is oh. that he has decided that he. Um, Which one's he? The, the oldest brother. Okay. He has been, you know, ham-handedly trying to take care of his family since his father has passed on. Yeah. And the next book is him finding his happily ever after to however that looks. Oh. And now so. uh, he's a scamp. And now the youngest one is the one who's super gullible. The middle Jonas brother. Yes. Not gay? So I in the books, I mean, like, I haven't gotten to his book yet. Yeah. Like I said, I've only I read like three, two or three of them. Um, I don't, that whole thing was not in the books at all. Okay, because they were making it pretty clear in the show when he kept witnessing this person, you know, being with men, and then he slept with the man's wife, and then yeah, it was, was like, weird. there was all this, like, sexual yeah. jumping around, bed hopping at this party, and I just kept thinking, okay, at some point he's going to sleep with the man also, because it was coding him that way, right? He was making, like, I mean, romantic I eye contact. To, yeah, I was going to say, I haven't gotten to his, but I think what it is partly is, you know, all of them are shirking against what their lives have to be. Yeah. And when you marry, you kind of settle into that life, right? right. I mean, you can have your mistresses potentially, but, you know, they had a, they, their parents had a happy household with a love match. Mm -hmm. So to them, like, this is their time to be something else, mm -hmm. right? And that was the it's whole thing. It's their rumspringa. Right. 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 It's, and, their, and, it's their few years off before they get married. And he's the spare, Right? He's not going to hold the title like his brother. <laughs> He's the spare. He is. And so, you know, like, what his, what he makes of himself is going to be different. Mm -hmm. And so he's, you know, I, 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 that's where I took it. It was like, oh, the artists and this and that. But and, in the book, the um, middle brother? His character wasn't like that. And I haven't gotten to his story. So oh, it's, okay. it's possible that his story ends up like that. But, but you own the books. You'll just give me book one and you'll I'll keep reading book ahead 100%. of me. Okay, that's 100%. Fine. That's good. We all so. have to read the Bridgerton books because clearly we're missing a lot of backstory. Yeah. Does reading the book make the show better to watch? You know, it did. Although I'll say that you have to read all of her books because they took some characters and shoved them in early. And oh. then they, you know, some characters they didn't delve into as much. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you'll be like, well, what about this family that we want to see about? And so maybe in another season they'll have these other families. You know, because that's the what happens when you interpret a book is you're just trying to get the concept on the screen sometimes like with certain books like harry potter it was like let's get the plot up there even after you eliminate a couple a couple but, of pinch points but let's be clear she has an eight series book about these eight siblings yeah oh, plus she I didn't has realize that. okay plus she has other books about people who they otherwise interact with like this one's a cousin and this one's a so how many books is Smith it smiths there she has so many books i'm so excited julia quinn has so many books so many books I'm so excited. I love finding someone new to read. The, the best, I, I've read her books, and I hadn't read the Bridgerton series. Oh. Right? So, like, she has so many books. So, Shonda Rhimes has 20 years of material easily. Oh, God. Easily. She's genius. Easily. Oh, she's genius. Genius. Right? It's like with Naomi Novik. Naomi Novik's book, Deadly Education, we talked about it, I think, last time. Um, her That book, I think we did talk about it, was the one so. with the magical school. Yeah. So, that book already, before it even came out. The week before it came out, they announced it had been optioned for a series because there's multiple books coming out. So yeah. somebody had optioned it to make it into, I think, Netflix maybe because it, it works so well. Right. The fact that somebody, when somebody can buy a series that has years and years and years ahead of it, I mean, you're making an amazing career. It's an investment, 100%. Yeah, you're making a decision like, I'm going to just do this for a while. 100%. Guaranteed job. It's awesome. Yeah. I, well, did you, okay, 
So did you, I lent you Moxie. Did you read it yet? I have not read it yet. <gasps> it's on my bedstand though, so it's close. Oh, so I won't spoil it. So Moxie is, came out this uh, last year, two years ago, but the movie came out on Netflix this year with Amy Poehler. Moxie is a book about a teenage girl whose mother is a Gen Xer who back in the late 80s, early 90s was a riot girl, meaning that she listened to all the girl punk and the girl rock and she you know, walk down the street in her combat boots smoking and saying, screw the patriarchy and girls take back the night, right? So every one of us had a little bit of riot girl back in us in the 90s. We we needed those girls yeah. so that we could yeah. say take back the night, yeah. right? Not that it was that effective back then, right. still apparently not now. Yeah. Um, but we love the riot girls, right? So the riot girl movement had music and one of the songs is Bikini Kills Rebel Girl. So that's kind of like the soundtrack to this book. Like oh, she, that's amazing. The main character is at a school in Texas where even though it's 2020, whatever, it's Texas. Yes. So her school still has boys who are idiots who yeah. do things like fall over and touch a girl's butt and pretend to fall. Oh, gross. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. I just grabbed you by accident. Right? Or guys who rape the girls by the size of their breasts and post it on the internet for everyone to see. But because they're on the football team and the main football player's parent is the principal of the school, it's like impossible for him to get in trouble because that town revolves so much around high school football games that the only thing open is like a Wendy's. Like nothing's open during a game. Like, if you want to go somewhere and hang out, you have to, like, mm. drive through the funeral home or, you know, get get an ice cream before it closes. Like, there's nothing to do. And so this girl has always been quiet her whole life, and a new girl moves to town and starts getting harassed. And so she becomes best friends with this new girl, and she starts to become motivated. Watching her friend get harassed by boys, she starts to see things from an outsider's perspective. And so she starts putting on her mom's Riot girl music on her headset, <laughs> and... It inspires her to start taking action and start like a riot girl group of her own called Moxie, but no one at the school knows. So that's what happens. I can't tell you the rest, but I will say this. The book spent a lot more time on the mom having been a Gen Xer and all the cool nostalgic stuff as a parent and the way the mom has changed so you can see yourself in it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, as a teenager, I was much more brave. And as an adult, I have to go to work. Right. I'm tired. Right. Right? And the, and the girl's like, oh, you're so uncool. What happened to you? Oh, you happened to me, <laughs> child. I, 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 I know. Whenever I see a TikTok where one of my kids or someone else's kid makes fun of their moms, and I'm like, we're tired for a reason. Like, when someone made a thing, why does my mom always wake up like this? And then he wakes up his mom, and his mom yeah yeah and i'm like because of you because of you or someone said why does my mom always do this they're laying in bed and the mom bursts in the door yeah and then sees her asleep and closes it quietly like because whenever you're quiet you're breaking something (laughs) so we just assume that there's something wrong there's a reason we do this thing trust me so we that always, we yeah. always like this. We just very, I, I'm one day again. So that's what happened is yeah, in, yeah. in the book, you get those layers. In the movie, they spend less time on the mom, even though it's Amy Poehler and they should have spent more time with her. Totally. And then the movie obviously changes plot around because they can't have like a million characters like they do in the book. Uh, so it just kind of reduces it to like. Yeah. 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 But it was excellent. And you're going to cry. I'm excited. You're going to cry when you read the book and okay. you're going to cry at the end when you watch the no. movie. You're going to want to scream. I don't want to cry. You no, know, in a good way. You're gonna, When they scream, Fine. you're going to want to scream. I Moxie. Cry. I literally like gave it to you like, oh my God. You will read it in one day. Okay. Everyone I've recommended it to has read it in one okay. day. So that's what's happening, Uni. Okay, fine. Fine. So, <laughs> I, so you know, I, I have, I'm scrolling through. So I read a book that ruined 
everything for me. Like I, the next book I read, I actually DNF'd it just because I was like, Aww. well, this this character's not as good as the character in the last book I read. Aww. So it was such a good one. I, it's an arc I got from. Oh, uh, that's how Net good Gala. it was. That's how good it was. So. Okay. It's Rosie's Traveling Tea Shop. So, <laughs> Oh, I've heard such good things. Yeah. So Rosie is uh, the, like a, I'm going to botch this. She's like the second chef uh, in a in a Michelin store restaurant. Like she is. I don't know what that's called either. Very yeah. prestigious. Like she, her job is, you know, and her husband <coughs> is also a chef, but in a, in a different restaurant that's not as prestig- <laughs> prestigious. And <laughs> she finds out at the beginning of the book that he's been cheating on her. And everyone kind of knew because... You know, there's uh, all the chefs kind of have like a, a social network together, and so everyone you know, knew but her. Everyone knew but oh, her, and so she basically has like a midlife crisis of like I, here I've been crack- baking my back and doing all the stuff at someone else's restaurant that they're the ones who go out and schmooze with all the guests while I'm you know getting up at four in the morning to go get the mussels and and get the fish and yes. make everything perfect for their whatever. And she buy. <laughs> she basically drunk buys a uh, camper and 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 becomes a traveling tea house. <laughs> At the beginning of this pandemic, somebody posted on one of the local community groups that they drunk bought a camper. Okay, I'm not kidding. Like one of the small. That's kinds. amazing. I'm not kidding. What you're saying is literally happening. So she literally said, "Like I woke up this morning and there was a delivery." Yes. That happens in this book. And somebody knocked on my door and said, your camper is here. And it was like a, a cute little streamlined thing in teal blue that attaches to the back of your car. And it's adorable. But I don't remember buying yes. it. And I checked my phone and I bought it. Yes. So that's how this book gets started. No. And then it's her. That's like, amazing. So the thing is that that's not who she is. She's a, like, she, her day is scheduled because she gets before and she does all the shopping and she does it. It's always those and people then that do stuff like that. she throws her whole life out and now she's on the road traveling with the wind. And she's like, but this isn't who I am and what has happened to me. And am I really just like a pathetic person whose entire life is down the drain? Is she selling tea from this Yes. Camper? Is that why it's called the tea shop? Yeah. Okay. So she makes a traveling tea shop and she is just so wonderful. Like her character is so wonderful and I just really appreciate it. And there's actually a sequel because she meets up with a friend. Uh, she makes a friend on the road. And then the next story is this friend's love story. Aww. And so I'm so happy. And I just, the next book I was reading, the main character was so transparent that you could put yourself into it, which normally would be fine. But this time I was like, I just want it to be rosy. I was like, why isn't this person Rosie? Rosie wouldn't say that. Right. And not only that, sometimes you don't want to be the character. You don't want to see yourself in the character. You want to be the character. Yeah. It's different. You want to be like them, not go, wow, I'm just like them. Right? They're different experiences. So Rosie, I felt like she just had a lot of personality. She just, she stuck with me. And the next book, I was like, no, I can't do this. This main character is, Rosie would like, for sure not. Like, that's not what Rosie would do. That'll happen. So that'll happen different. is you get into something and then you're kind of like the next book is like a letdown. Yeah, That's why yeah. I binge read Alice Hoffman instead of switching to other authors in between. Mm. Because when I finish an Alice Hoffman book, it's like when I finish a Geraldine Brooks book or mm-hmm. a Dara Horn book. When I finish one of their books, these authors specifically, I always feel like I want to read more of them. Yes. Yeah. And so I usually go out and get the next one that they've written. So this time I decided I was just going to read through. <laughs> so I went down to the bookstore with my kid and to buy him, you know, a, a dog man, maybe, oh, wow. book. And he's like, oh, the new dog man's out. Let's walk to the bookstore. 
I go in there and I'm like, well, let's see if there's any Alice Hoffman books I haven't read yet. And I discover that someone has sold their autographed books to Ooh. the bookstore. Like somebody was clearing out their house, yeah. obviously. And they had just a big stack of Alice Hoffman books what? for $8, $4, depending on the book. That's amazing. $6 for this one. And they're all signed. Somebody got rid of their signed Alice Hoffman collection, and now it's mine. And now it's yours. And I read it all. Amazing. I've read a lot of her books, but I haven't read all her short story collections. So now you have. Oh, I have. So this one, um, she had a. So she likes to write a lot about women and families in New England. Okay. Who have folklore around them, okay. and that the whole town kind of knows the folklore around them. Mm. Right. So that's one she does. So I read. Um, so these sound like they're going to be the same book, right? Fortune's Daughter and the Probable Future. Okay. Okay. And and they kind of are. So, but it doesn't matter. I read them anyway, and I really love them. Yeah. Um, and then she has a short story collection called The Red Garden. Ooh. I highly recommend The Red Garden. I love that it takes you through one town, mm. but it follows different people throughout several generations, oh, each story. that's neat. Yeah. So as opposed to just a random short story collection where right. she was bored, she was like, I'm going to imagine that each of these stories takes place in the same town oh. with the same garden behind the house. That's fun. And why is it red? Oh. Why is the garden red? Oh. Yes. Yeah, so, well, that's a very Alice Hoffman thing. Oh. So I highly recommend okay. reading through Alice Hoffman, especially over Pesach when you have a lot of time. Yeah. Right? Hopefully. If, I, if you're lucky. I Right. Exactly. <laughs> when I have a lot of time, although with the seders, you end up you know, sleeping. What is the three-day <laughs> yantiv? The first yes, one, Shabbos into yantiv. I know. So you need to to get some books. So I I also I read I read a book. My the last book I read, um, I was so happy to find that there's five books in the series. Oh, um, we because, love that. We love that. And and so here's the thing. You know, sometimes when you read a book that you need more of that book, but mm-hmm. you have no guarantee that that author has decided that there is going to be more. Yep. <laughs> so I read this book called A Natural History of Dragons by Marie Brennan. And it's written as if it was a memoir of an elderly woman who's looking back at her life. She is now the world's you know, most famous preeminent uh, expert on dragons. She's a scientist. Oh, I like that premise. And so she's, you know, so the, the forward of the book is her saying, I'm too old. I'm old enough now and famous enough now that I can say whatever I want. And so now I'm going to tell you these stories from when I got started and no oh. one's going to stop me from publishing it. And you're like, yeah, okay. That sounds great. But then, but the thing becomes, this is one story for when she's 19 years old. That means that she has an entire lifetime of stories. Well, how many, what's the name of the series? So the series is called The Memoirs of Lady Trent. And how many books does she have? So there's five. Oh, now. yay. Thank but at, when I read it, I was like, there better be more books. Because Isn't that the worst when you check and there's nothing else? You don't know. You don't know. Exactly. But the best yeah. part about this book, so it, it seems, it feels like a Victorian novel. She is a upright Victorian lady. Her family is landed gentry and she ends up, you know, marrying, you know, whatever. And they start traveling with an earl. But it takes place in a fantasy world. Oh. So it's a completely different world. It's, there's some things that are similar. Like they travel to a place that I assume is similar to like one of the stands. Kazakhstan, you know, but it's Mm -hmm. in a different world. Uh, Because, and I say that because there's Russian-like people there that she calls the Bolshoi's. But they're not Russian. It's. You know, because right. it's in a different world. And then, it's like second world fantasy, not third exactly, world fantasy. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And so there's some, there's familiarity, but then there's different things. 
So, it, you know, they're talking about the Industrial Revolution, but they're also talking about dragons. Like, they're going to study dragons and rock worms and, you know, the history and their, so you people, know. So people don't, like, there's three levels of fantasy, right? There's, like, Discovery of Witches, mm -hmm. which, um, if, you're, if you're talking about a book that would be, like, by a Spanish author, I think you would call it magical realism, or if it's by yeah, a South American yeah. author, right? Um, this, I think the term when you're talking about everyone else is just fantasy rooted in reality yeah so you're walking through your everyday world but also there's magic yes right the world is totally recognizable the countries are the countries the people that are in it are in it the characters are real but they also can do things yeah so it's low 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 fantasy mm -hmm. is where it's in a recognizable earth right recognizable world second world fantasy is what you're describing yeah and Third so world fantasy would be like high fantasy is completely uh like the last airbender kind of a thing or no so the last airbender is rooted in eastern religions so it oh, still really has it. some familiarity okay. so it's more like um throwing a glass throwing a glass yeah where you know there's there's a lot of fantasy the political socioeconomic you know world building is is pretty different the magic system right the map is made up completely yeah so invented. this has a made up map which is super interesting and made up landforms but i i was like it kind of it gave you that like weird mix of familiar and unfamiliar together which like made that. it kind of cool i yeah. like that that's good it was so good and you really love the character because she's very scientific and she's very no nonsense and the whole thing is that she likes to read and she likes to do unladylike things and how is she going to find someone who's going to marry her hmm. and then she does and they would you recommend on. it for people who like discovery of witches and harry potter um i i think so I, you know what the one of the things that i like about it is um if you like historical fiction yeah i think you'll like it because the dragon part of it i mean it's part of it i'm not going to say there's no dragons because there's dragons some people just love dragons That's i love fine. dragons right i love dragons. my sister melinda if you're listening Loves dragons. If you tell but, her a dragons in a book, 100%. she's in. But this isn't. But it's not magic because it's just that there are dragons that right. exist like animals. Yes. And so she is a historic. Like she's, they're studying it like scientists, like fantastical beasts. Yeah, like they're thing. going to, you know, they're you know picking up fossils and studying footprints and like making a map of the layers and like it's really like that's oh, pretty cool. Um, and it feels like I said a Victorian era novel. So if you're into that. You know, and you want to dabble into some fantasy. Yeah. This is just happens to have dragons. See, that sounds cool to me. Yeah. See, I would read that whole series. 100%. I'm, I'm in. If you have it, I keep still. Do you have it, your It's niece? a library book. Oh. I know, I know. So you and your 41 way, library books that you bought oh my at the gosh. exact same time as 20 that, books that book I literally have. cried so hard that my son thought I'd come unhinged. Nope. So let's repeat so, the story. I, we need to all hear okay, it. Okay, so our library has closed for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And then it opened for curbside pickup only. And you could reserve books. But they had very restricted how many books you could reserve. And then all of a sudden, my friend says, yo, neat, you can reserve 50 books now, which <laughs> to me, that just meant, right, I'll put 50 books on hold. I'll be number 300 on all of them. Does that the library have 50 books? I don't even know, right? That's the thing. Oh, so, you you know, I, I've, I do, I've used library for my whole life. So, yeah. it's not, I'm not new to this. But what happens is you put a book on reserve and it eventually comes to you and you don't know when it's going to come. So, I've just, I filled up 50 books onto my reserve list. And then I get uh, five emails that I have books ready. And I figured I would go pick up five books. But I didn't open the emails. <laughs> so when I get there, the guy goes, okay, I've got 41 books for you. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, wait, what? And he said, oh, I have 41. Do you want to take all of them? And I was like, what? And I was like, well, what happens if I don't take them? So what happens if I don't take them? is they go back and I go back to the line. I'm like, oh my God, no way. I'm not going back to the end of a line. Well, so how long do you have to return them? You have two weeks to read them. What? 
three weeks, maybe three weeks. So we had How three many weeks. did you read? Um, so here's the thing. I am homeschooling my son. So most of the books were for him and only three of them were for me. Oh, see, that's the, I didn't know that twist. Yeah, yeah, All yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so he came out with 38. Yeah. So most of them were his, like he was, he's reading world history. He was learning about um, like uh, medieval uh, Europe. So most of them were based on that. There were a bunch for um, African-American History Month, uh, uh, quite a few. I got him The Martian. I got him an autobiography oh. of an astronaut. I, you know, so I, I had a few pockets of things. So, so they wheel out a cart and I, <laughs> I, had to fill up my box that I had in my car from when I went to Costco. I filled up a Costco box of books and my son and I had to carry it in the house together. And I, my daughter almost flipped. She's like, Ima, there are so many, because she's against me having so many books. And yeah. she keeps trying to get me to get rid of books. And she's like, well, at least they're going to go back to the library at the end. And she was so mad. At least they're going to go back to, she, like, there's no walls left in this house. The walls are just books. Which it, is fine. Which is fine by me. me. I know, right? Sounds I, fine on, I follow a lot of um, Instagram accounts that mm. are just, like, ideal libraries. And <laughs> there's this one where someone's dining room is also a library. Like, literally, there there's so many books in their house that they fitted out their dining room with more bookshelves. Yeah, my, my dining Beautiful. room has bookshelves in it. Uh, but, like... Yeah. It literally looks like somebody took a dining room table, oh. zhuzhed it up, and put it in the middle of a study. That's and I'm amazing. like, that sounds so great. Perfect. Does it have Check. a fake wall where there's real books on the wall and it opens? Oh. That's the dream because then you don't have to have any wasted wall amazing. space. That would be amazing. That's the, that's the dream. That is that's the dream. The dream. Mm-hmm. I I love it. So I, I read a book recently that I couldn't put down that was wonderful. I was, everyone loves Naomi Reagan. Yeah. Right? But you always forget you love Naomi Reagan until you read a new Naomi Reagan. I feel like that's a good rule of thumb. Right? So you pick up a new Naomi Reagan thinking, I wonder if this one will be as good as the last one. And then it is. So she had a book that came out called An Unorthodox Match. It came Mm. out two years ago. The original cover made it look like it was a steamy romance novel. Oh. Which was strange. Okay. Because it's not. Oh. Even a little bit. would have been sad. Yeah, it's not even a little bit. Yeah. And so the new cover... Is more styled like that cartoony mm. way where they draw the people. And yeah. but the new cover I don't know what happened with her covers. Neither of them fit the book. Yeah. The book is wonderful. The book is about a uh, Jewish woman who in her thirties becomes religious and she's gone through the different stages of trying to find the right community where she fits in and she's decided that she's not gonna like keep bouncing around. She's just going to move to Brooklyn. Uh-oh. And she's going because she's been learning with this yeah, one yeah, group yeah. for a while. And she's like, I'm just going to stay here among the people I've been learning with because they're kind to me and they're warm to me and they're accepting. And she decides she's going to get an apartment and she's going to do a chesed opportunity where she helps a man who's been recently widowed, who's in his late 30s and he has all these kids. And he's going to she's going to take care of them when he is learning. And also he's getting his accounting degree because his wife was the one who worked and she passed away. And so now he's, he's an accountant. Now he's good. Well, <laughs> I'm an accountant. I work in places where accountants work. No one asks you a question when you're an accountant. If you don't know what that means, just Google what does accountant mean on TikTok. All right. We're not going to say it here because we love the, the concept of discovery. Discover what an accountant means okay. on TikTok. But, but he's he a Brooklyn accountant. He's a Brooklyn. Well, different. that's a whole different kind of accountant. He's getting a CPA so he can take care of his kids. So she, they never really meet. Uh-huh. She's in the house helping and he's learning. As so, appropriate, right? Yes. Like, they wouldn't necessarily interact, right? That, it wouldn't that's, be appropriate. That's yeah. accurate. And the teenage yeah. daughter lets her in. But the teenage daughter has to go to school. The teenage daughter can't watch a two-year-old. So she comes in, this woman, and helps. Yeah. Um, she used to not be religious. Like, she grew up, her parents 
weren't religious. Her, she doesn't even know her dad is. She has a tattoo on her wrist, and here she is. And you can right, like you can always feel a little different when you walk into a community that has been dressing a certain way their yeah, whole lives, yeah, yeah. and you walk in and something's a little off. Yeah. Right, like the length of the skirt is an inch too long, yeah, yeah. or the tights are not thick enough. I remember the first time I babysat, and the kid asked me to sing Shema. I'm like, there's a song. <laughs> like when I dove it, I don't. I'm singing it to myself. I'm just. I dove it. I just you know? say it. But I there's a, there's a tune. Yeah, babysitting families that are firmer than you is definitely mm-hmm. a way that you learn stuff. Yeah. By the way, like discovering which families don't have TVs mm-hmm. when you're babysitting. And then figuring out what they like to read and going, but they're all in Hebrew, right? I had that experience a few times where I babysat a family (laughs) where both parents spoke Hebrew fluently. And so they read fiction in Hebrew as well, but they weren't reading. They're reading like Jewish fiction from our school. And uh, I I was like, oh, next time I'm bringing a book. Because I had nothing to read. I put the kids to bed. A rookie mistake. A rookie mistake. I've made that mistake several times, not knowing. You can't predict. So there's, so what happens is she eventually goes to a matchmaker. She goes to a shacha and she says, I need to get fixed up. And the matchmaker keeps putting her with huge losers. Yeah. I mean, we're talking guys. One guy um, is a... Part-time mashkiach? Like, no, she's like, oh, it's so cool. He's an African Jew. Mm. And he came here and that's awesome. She's like, I'm not going to judge the matchmaker and say, oh, she only fixed me up with him because he's black and African and I'm, I'm a bald shuba. Yeah. She says to herself, I'm going to assume the best here. And then it turns out... He converted to Judaism two years ago and left behind a wife and seven kids. And she goes, okay, that's not what I was sold. What I was sold was that you were just a Jew who was African, not that you're still married. You're still married. He's like, well, I'm not technically married because now that I converted, it's as if my marriage never happened. And she goes, okay, no. So basically she's just fixed up with all these people who are living like fraudulent lives. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And the guy was the part-time mashkiah. Where she gets fixed up with a lot of that. The chassid who likes to go clubbing. Yes. I don't know anything about this stuff. Oh, yes. And then meanwhile, the guy whose kids that she's helping out with, he starts re-entering the dating world too. Oh, I never saw that coming. I know. <laughs> and he starts re-entering the dating world and he keeps feeling like people are trying to sell him off. Like he's mm. a catch. Even though he's a widower with multiple children and she's single and never been married, He's the catch. He gets all these wealthy girls who are in their early 30s, and they're like, well, now we'll find someone for them because he's a widower, so we're going to fix him up with all the great girls that have just gone this long without getting married. Yeah. Right? The girls who are rich who just somehow haven't found their match yet. And he's like, why do I keep, why do I feel like I'm being sold? Yeah. And she is like, why do I feel like I'm being betrayed? Yeah, undersold. And undersold, exactly. Yeah. So obviously we know where this goes. Yeah. But it's so beautifully written. It's okay. so good. Naomi Reagan is talented. And what a great thing to have that kind of a book yeah. come out. Yeah. On the regular market. Love it. So cool. What about you? I wonder what people think of it. I don't, I'm, I'm going to go to Goodreads and read the reviews, although yeah, I'm, I'm scared too. You saw what happened to Once More with Chutzpah, right? No. <gasps> Once More with Chutzpah is coming out. I uh, pre-ordered two copies because okay. I was so excited about the Goodreads reviews. Oh my god! I don't even know if it's any good. I just know I'm excited to read it. Yeah. It is about twins who go on a birthright trip. Okay. What do you think happened to the Goodreads reviews? Oh. Because it is about twins who are American and teenagers, and they're trying to discover who they are. One of them is trying to cope with his like sexual sexual orientation, yeah. and you know, kind of identify like he's trying to struggle. Do I identify as queer or not? And so they go to Israel at the same time as the Tel Aviv Pride Parade. Yeah. And she's, like, going because she wants to reconnect with her religious 
um, yeah. connections. So they both go on birthright. So that's what the book is meant to be about. Ah, but it's anti-Zionist picked up all kinds of ugly stuff. All the anti-Zionists yeah. decided that even though lots and lots and lots of books come out that are set in Israel, this book was the evil one because of the word birthright. Because as you know, the anti-Zionist yeah. movement targets birthright. Gross. So the author kind of was like, okay, well, I'm listening and I'm going to change a couple things, take the word birthright out, whatever, it is fine. They still kept coming because now it's how dare you put the city of Jaffa on the cover of your book with a Jewish girl wearing a Magain David like a white colonialist. And I'm like, okay, so she can't win here. So basically, she was so good. The author was so good. She decided, she's like, maybe there's something I'm missing. Maybe there's something I'm missing. Maybe I should listen. And she goes, I want to see as many Palestinian books on the shelves as Jewish books. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I? And instead it's like, we don't, we don't think this book should come out at all. And she... I was the the all the Jewish authors out there started panic like oh my god what's going to happen if we set a book in Israel are our yeah. Goodreads reviews going to get one starred oh all the people going on there and posting this book is about genocide what? and she's like this book is about teenagers in Tel Aviv wow. like it's literally not so I like I I don't normally get political wow. when I get motivated to buy a book but yeah. it's a YA fiction novel yeah. and here I am going I'm buying two copies to be supportive so oh. if you are listening and you are mad that they targeted a Jewish author for writing a book set in Israel then go or pre-order once more with Chutzpah by Haley Neal and give her a five star review on Goodreads before you read it there you go just to be salty salty just to be a little petty oh. in a good way. Supportive exactly. salty. Supportively salty. Supportively I like that. salty. So I like I'm that. doing that. And then, so right now, what are you reading? Because I'm reading The Veil of Tears, which is, I'm about to start, and it's a Holocaust survivor memoir that was written in the 40s in Yiddish and has recently been translated to English. Ooh. So I'm excited. So it's called The Veil of Tears by Rabbi Pinchas Hirschsprung, who the name should sound familiar. He was a goggle. Yeah. I haven't started yet, but I'm really excited. What about you, Yoni? Um, so I'm in the middle of reading uh, an interesting book. It's called, um, oh, what is it? Which one is it? Oh, no. Which one am I reading? I am flipping <laughs> through because I just started it, but I started it on my Kindle. Oh, a little bit of karma. And so it's kind of, it's really interesting. So she is a uh, psychiatrist and he is a former pop star. Like, I, I picture him as being, like, from Voice to Men. And <laughs> they meet at a celebrity auction, and she has bought him for the date. Oh, that's great. Well, her friend bought it. And so, basically, the book starts with the unraveling of their marriage. So, they have built an entire industry. Like, and you start to learn, how do they get so famous? So, they're the Lovejoys, and they have a book deal, and they have a radio show, and they were on Oprah, and they have, you know, clients, and they have all this stuff. But meanwhile... She's discovered that he was cheating on her, and now they are stuck because they are leading a retreat for 3,000 people. On marriage? On marriage. Oh. In a tropical resort, and she's like, I don't know if I can do this, but they're contractually obligated to go through with it. Oh, that's so sad. So that's where we are, and we've just discovered who the other woman is. I'm reading it, and... Um, I'm really enjoying it because I'll say that it does a really good job of showing, I'm not going to say that like, obviously I 100% believe that there's cheating is not acceptable and you know, all this stuff, but you see how their communication is problematic Mm -hmm. and you see that just because you struck, like just because you put on a perfect face, you don't know what's underneath that perfect face. 
And so that's what she's struggling with now. Like, how do I be authentic? But she's she's discovering that even when they were perfect, they weren't perfect. Oh, it's like kind of a, the looking back at their marriage yeah. and seeing what was yeah. going on. Yeah. What's it called again? Uh, a Little Bit of Karma. I mean, that sounds really good. Like, you've pitched a lot of really, really good books for all of us to read during yeah. this, this recording. But, like, that one, of all of them, to me, sounds like I don't think I could put it down. Yeah. Like, I think it would be hard to it. read, but also I couldn't put it down. Yeah. I'm really enjoying like. it. It's got, she's got a good um, tone to her writing also, which I really like. You know, a book that I couldn't put down recently was um, Rebel Daughter by Lori Benoff Kaufman. Have you read it yet? No. So Lori Benoff Kaufman um, is her debut, and it is about a um, Jewish girl who is the, uh, named Esther okay. during the time of the second Beit HaMikdash, four years before it gets destroyed. Okay. So at this point, right, they're occupied by the Romans. Right. The, the priests are being assassinated. There's corruption. And she's the daughter of a priest. She's the daughter of a coin. And she's a teenager. And they want to marry her off. Meanwhile, she's like, now? When we're literally surrounded by Romans on all sides, now you want to marry? So it's about her and how she survives it. And what's wow. really cool is so many of the characters are real. Like Josephus is in it. Mm-hmm. But at using his original Hebrew name, yeah, like how cool is that? That, that is they really had cool. the author Josephus as one of the characters in it. Yeah. So at the end, you discover the book was based on a tombstone <gasps> that she saw at a museum in Italy, and the tombstone said, "Like here lies Esther, which is the Esther, um, a former Jewish slave girl, <gasps> and the Esther's last name." was a Roman last name that was the same as the person who laid the stone. Wow. And it said, do not touch the stone or so-and-so will be upset. You could assume they're married. Yeah. So, but it says, Esther, former Jewish slave girl, and her husband is has a Roman name. Wow. And she's buried in, in Italy. Wow. So the author went, well, if her name was Esther, that at the time, that was a name only given using Kohanim families. Yeah. So, because she looked, she's like looking it up, like who would have been named Esther? And it turns yeah. out only if you were part of a family of Kahuna. Wow. So she goes, a priest's daughter somehow ended up. A slave girl and then a married slave. to a Roman. Yeah, taken by the Romans, freed by a Roman, and married the Roman, which would have been the only, and she died at 25. And in Rome at the time, you couldn't be, no one could free you under the age of 30 unless they married you. Wow. So the Roman married her either to free her or because he loved her. And the only way we know that is because she was under 30 when she died. So wow. he would have had to, he would have had to marry her to her to be wow. free. So that's, we, that's all we know. So the, she said to herself, how did that happen? Happen. That's that too. Is that a cool story? So that is a very Deborah Harkness type story. I yes. love it. Yes, that I she saw something in it. How'd that get there? How did that happen? I love yeah. it. And it's a YA. Um, it is. So it's when people say like YA, they have a picture in their head of what that means. It's YA because she's a teenager. Yeah. It's not YA because it's styled like yeah, YA. No, of course. Okay. It starts off when she's fourteen and ends when yeah. she's twenty. It's just, a, it's just a, a crossover book. It's yeah. a crossover. Oh, my God. It's so good. And it literally just came out. Like, if you need to read, everyone who's seen the cover when I'm yeah. walking around with it goes, what's that? What's that? Because it's obvious that it's a, a Jewish girl in Rome. And you're like, what is she doing there? Right? It's awesome. You're going to love it. That's cool. You're going to love it. I lent it to my son who saw it. And I said, oh, it's set during the second base of um, destruction. He grabbed it away from me. He's like, my turn. And I'm like, oh, well, that's okay. 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 <laughs> um, and that, oh, I was going to lend it out, but all right. Um, but everyone who wants, you know, wants it, wants yeah. to borrow it. So I highly recommend it. Okay. I'll put it on my list. 
did you even cover? Do we even cover all the books that you read? No, not even close. Oh my god, your knee. We'll, I feel like we'll I missed like four or five, but so I'm gonna have 100%. to save them. Absolutely. I mean, I really did. Like, I mean, you see my stack. I'm sitting yeah. here, and you can see my. I stack. can see a few of mine in there. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I know. There's a lot. I think Heartstrings yeah. and Breakable Things is yours. Yeah. And the JD. Is We Hunt the Flame mine? Because I definitely have. Yes, copy. you can have it back. Oh, did you read it? Uh, no, I couldn't get into it. Really? Couldn't get into it. I tried. Oh. Remember, I was so eager. I was like, oh, we'll have some finds out. It looks so I really good. enjoyed it. You did? I did. So should I save and try again? I haven't read the other in the series because she has other books now. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's on TikTok also. Super I'll fun. have to figure out. You know, I wanted to like it. I just couldn't get started I on that. it. I One book that I am excited to read about is The Gilded Ones by Namina Horna. Yes. That sold out real fast and went to second printing yes. right away, right? So there's a couple books that... That, but I get again, like We Hunt the Flame, it's got so much buzz around it that I'm like scared. Mm. What if I don't like it? I hear that, I do hear that. I think I'm gonna like it. I think so. I think maybe that's what stopped me from We Hunt the Flame. Maybe, maybe. So maybe I'll try it again. I'm instead, instead of shopping for a piece of no. more books, what? although don't say things like sorry. that. I can't, although, I can't support that. I do have, I do have Rena Rossner's next book pre ordered, and that mm. comes after Pesach. Oh, well, that's timing. Yes, Lighting you know? Midnight Stars. It come comes on. after Pesach. What were you thinking? I don't know. It's not her choice. I know. It was her choice. I'm sure it would have come out two days before Pesach, so we could all read it for three-day antif. Who am I kidding? I would have written, written, read it in one day. I'm excited for that book. Yeah, yes. but we'll have more books to read. I, like I said, I, I, I think I read at least 50 books since I saw you last. So yeah. We hit some highlights, but we'll, we'll talk about more next time. At least 50. We will. Oh, my gosh. It's been so long. I feel so much better. That we're able to record 100%. again. I, yeah, I can, I can talk now. I'm oh not coughing. Gosh. Well, I was working nights for a while. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of meetings with, with the team in India. So that was not conducive mm-hmm. to filming also. So. so between your meetings and my long COVID cough. It was the worst. I mean, it finally went away. Thank God. Baruch yeah. Hashem for that. I mean, now I'm talking my throat dry, so I keep sipping water. And, yeah. You know. I know, right? But Baruch Hashem that... We're finally getting the point. I feel like we survived, Yoni. We survived. We came out on the other side. Cheers to that with water. Cheers. (laughs) You know, keep reading with us. Please do. I'll say that, you know, we were talking about the anti-book club club on TikTok, and Mm -hmm. there are plenty of people who just want to come have a cocktail with a book with us next time we do in-person something. (laughs) Oh, I know. I know. One day. Mirza Shem soon. Well, thank you for coming to the Kiddush Book Club. Yeah. And if you want to do maybe a Zoom cocktail book, anti-book club yes if you have any interest in doing that please drop us a line we'll, we'll kind of decide whether we do it based on interest well, if somebody made it to the end of the episode after we talked about 9,000 books 100%. then they're probably interested in swimming <laughs> with us we're super interesting I'll even get a ring light I don't have one oh. last time we did a zoom it was like super dark and my face oh. looks like I'm wearing like goth makeup and I'm like yeah. what happened and so um I'm like I, I think I've got a ring light We'll do it. Come on. We'll, we'll, do, we'll it. do a Zoom. We'll make it look super professional. We'll schmooze. We'll drink. We'll drink. We'll drink. You know. We'll drink some more. Come, come schmooze with us. This is a, a chance that you don't need to travel to schmooze with us. Yeah. We'll Zoom instead. It'll be really yeah. fun. Yeah. You will have an excuse. You could say, hey, I can't help you right now, family. I... Am going to a, a webinar. book club. Yes, a webinar. <laughs> I have a webinar. I signed up for it. I <laughs> it's a literary event. It's it's scheduled. I can't get out of it. Um, it is a book related event, literary for the publishing industry with literaries. With literaries with literaries. <laughs> we didn't even drink. We're, and we're a, like we're the literary. We're the literary. We're literally literary. <laughs> 
and we'll this have just actual alcohol. That's true. When we drink cocktails, I think we're just pretending because this is just us. It all is. The time. It's <laughs> we're like drinking water. I yeah. I I don't know what to tell you, but we, we said goodbye like three minutes ago, and then we forgot. Um. Mm-hmm. So that's how it goes. Okay. This time we'll really do it. Thank all you right. for coming to the Kiddish Book Club. Uh, you can find me at Yoni DM everywhere. And yes, you are Hoffman Jess um, at Twitter and Kish Book Club on Instagram. Excellent. Have a good one. Bye. Yeah, I ain't new.